0: turn with me this morning back to Gospel of Mark Mark chapter 4 All right, this is our Second week in looking at this passage here, so we read verses 1 through 25, Mark 4, 1 through 25, and considering uh, this parable particularly this morning. <clears throat> so as he began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him, and he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some t- seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, "'To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven.' And he said to them, "'Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word.' These are those ones who are beside the road, where the word is sown, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown in the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying to them, A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it, or under a bed, and is not brought to be put on the, is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? And nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, Take care of what you listen to. By your standard of measure it will be measured to you, and more will be given to you besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him." I'm going this morning. The difference between hearing and really hearing, really listening, uh, is readily recognized, for one example, by those of us who are parents. Uh, I told my kids I was going to use them in this example this morning. Um, and that it wasn't to make them look bad, that we all we all behave this way at times. But um, I, sometimes my kids are so focused on, on something, on a game or on the TV, um, and I, I call their name. I say, Owen oh, or Kenzie, um, to get their attention. And they're just looking, and they say, yeah. <laughs> and I can tell they're not really paying attention, not really listening, really hearing. And so I say, Owen, oh, Kenzie, you need, you need to look at me. And they're staring at this thing, and they say, Yeah, And I can still tell, and so sometimes I have to go and stand between them and the thing that they're focused on uh, to really get their attention. Um, That's simply a function of hearing, but not really hearing, not really listening. Um, That's the distinction that Jesus is getting at in this parable, Uh, only the stakes are much higher. The difference between hearing and really hearing uh, when Jesus is speaking, is nothing short of, of life and death, spiritually. Uh, the basic parable here is is well known and easily understood in the, in the basic story. Jesus is using uh, imagery from uh, ancient uh, agrarian society here. Farmers uh, often did not plow in um, neat rows, with uh, certainly not with big fancy plows, and tractors like we have that punch holes and drop seeds. And, Put the bird back, and in, in all these sorts of things. Farmers would often just uh, scatter seed, throwing seed with with their hands. Okay, and so this is the scene Jesus describes. And some of the seed falls on, or is, is blown onto the path. Okay, um, for one thing, a path on the sides of the field, or maybe a path that's through some fields for people to walk on. It was it was soil, but it was hard packed. And so Jesus pictures birds swooping in and and eating it quickly. It never has any chance to to germinate or to grow at all. Um, other seed he describes falling on, on rocky ground. Probably has, uh, because he describes it growing a little bit, probably has in mind these uh, limestone slabs that would uh, stick out just under the surface. There in Palestine in places where there was very little soil. So they grow up for a time, but when it got really hot, they didn't have roots to reach down to get more water. And so. They whirled away, and they didn't last. And then he pictures other seeds falling on, on good soil, but it's uh, they, they they grow up, and it's crowded out by other plants, by forms, or weeds. Um, and they, they also don't last and don't bear any fruit. So all of these, all these seeds fall on soil, these first three kinds of soil, but they don't end up bearing any fruit at all. And Jesus goes on, as we read, to explain to his disciples with this pictures um, the word of God being spread, the gospel being heard, uh, actually heard by people, uh, but not really being heard, not not being received, not having the powerful effect of the word of God. Um, with one exception, of course, the final uh, the final soil, which produced this incredible uh, crop. And uh, notice that there there's variation with this, within this incredible crop, the soil that produced the crop 30 times, 60 times, 100 times, um, a variation within this incredible produce. Uh, but all of the other soils produce exactly zero fruit. Uh, there's no crop. So there's really no, there's no middle ground in, in Jesus' parable here. There are many ways to hear and respond to the Word of God, but there's only one way to hear it effectually, with any spiritual uh, benefit um, in the end at all. So this parable is an an illustration uh, and and a call to really hear, to really be impacted by, really receive, the Word of God uh, to really be a disciple of Jesus, we might say. So I want to look at those uh, four soils briefly with you this morning. The first three point to hearing that's revealed to be superficial in some way. It's hearing but not really listening, right? There may be some initial growth, some initial response, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't last. So the first the first soil pictures we might summarize in disbelief. Uh, pictures disbelief. Verse fifteen. Uh, Jesus explains this. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. So this is, in one sense, the simplest, the clearest response, in that there really is no response, right? No response to the word of God. There's no reception of it. These are people who who hear it, right? Audibly, but there's no no effect, right? Because of uh, disbelief or, or rejection of it, right up front, perhaps, so it be Jesus picturing people who simply don't believe the word, they think it's strange or it's ridiculous or something like that, uh, and the gospel's not, not received at all. It, it could also picture those who receive, who hear God's word, but with apathy. right? They just don't care, or it doesn't seem relevant. Uh, and so there's no uh, no evidence of any fruit a- at all. The word is never allowed even to start having any effect. Jesus pictures, um, uh, while well, well, he interprets the the birds coming and taking it away, he speaks of, of Satan coming in and taking the word of God away. Um, I, I don't think that necessarily means that Satan is directly involved in, in uh, anyone hearing the word but not really responding to it. But I think the sense is, is reflecting the fact that these, these first three soils are in keeping with Satan's goals for anyone when they hear the word of God, that it wouldn't have any lasting impact. And certainly this would be his number one goal, that there would just be total apathy or rejection uh, right up front. Uh, We might say these are sort of tools of the Kingdom of Satan for keeping you from really hearing, uh, from really receiving the Gospel. The second to the, the, the second thing that reveals Superficial hearing, or uh, a tool of that, uh, is difficulty. A difficulty. Look at verse 16. In a similar way, Jesus says, uh, these are the ones on whom seed was sown in rocky places, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy. So there's a, a contrast here in that the word of God is received with, uh, and there's, there's a reaction, there's, there's joy. It's, it's received. There's apparent growth, apparent following Jesus. But he goes on, verse seventeen. But they have no firm root in themselves. They're only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So it doesn't. It doesn't last. Uh, well, what what changed? What got in the way? Well, Jesus describes it as some some kind of cost. Some kind of difficulty arose in, in relation to following Jesus or, or really receiving his word. Um, now we should be clear, and Jesus is clear in his word, that salvation is free, right? It's a free gift of God. There's nothing that we can or, or could ever exchange for God's grace to us. His salvation is free, his forgiveness is free, and yet discipleship, as we experience it in this life is very costly in a sense, right? Jesus describes it in terms of uh, death, uh, dying to yourself or giving giving your whole life to him, right? But the problem is many people don't receive it that way. They don't hear the gospel in that way. Uh, they don't count the cost up front. Uh, back at Christmas time, I, I purchased a shirt or something for Carly online and got a, got a great discount on it. Um, I didn't realize, though I'm often very wary of this kind of thing, I didn't realize I'm getting that discount. I was signing up for some kind of club that um, I was checking out, and the next month I got a $50 charge for the privilege of being in this club, um, which, which I immediately canceled. But sometimes people do. They, they agree to a membership or to serve on a board or something like that, only to find out later it actually requires something of them. Um, more than they have time or money for, they, they think this is this is not worth it. Well, the same thing can happen with the church or with the gospel and the way that people first understand it. Sometimes Some people identify with the church simply because of the social benefits, or friendships, or wholesome stuff for the kids, and things like this. It's it's not less than that, but but other people hear simply good and happy news, right? They hear um, of love and forgiveness and eternal life, and God's love and care for his people, and and all these things that are true, Again, the gospel is not less than that. Um, But they miss, or ignore, or are not told, right, of the call to repentance. I know. They don't understand the call to die to self that, that Jesus gives, to give your life to Christ, to trust and obey him, uh, whatever he asks of you. They, they miss the promise and the expectation in the scriptures of suffering, of hardship, they the call to humility or to sacrificial service. And so when these things come up, it, it challenges what, what they thought their faith was. When, when some cost arises, they decide this is not what they thought Christianity was, or being part of the church suddenly becomes not worth it, right? This is not what I signed up for. Uh, these people are maybe surprised by struggle or disagreement in the church. Maybe they're surprised by accountability in the church. Or when God allows some kind of suffering, sickness or something, they see it as the I mean, abandonment of the, the God they thought they knew or a failure, this, this faith that they thought would lead to a, a happier, clappier life. Right? They don't understand suffering as a call to, to trust God more deeply, to turn to him uh, more readily and, and to see sin more clearly and, and repent of it or any of these things. Really, all of us need to check whether we're not uh, in the body of Christ or professing faith in Christ as if it were some kind of social club um, or or easygoing commitment. We need to recognize that, um, in in part, it's much easier to identify with Christ, in in part by God's grace. In our culture, though, than many other cultures, or certainly those cultures that, that are reflected in the New Testament, it's less costly socially. Uh, in many ways? Could it be that you don't really have the deep root of faith that clings to Christ no matter the cost? Uh, Ask yourself this morning, is there any cost that would cause you to wonder whether Christ is really worth it? Uh, Is your commitment to your valuing of of Jesus such that uh, if you lived in North Korea or Eritrea or Yemen and the government came and said you have to choose between your life or your family's life and you're identi- uh, identifying with this church or with this Jesus. Um, would you choose Christ because he is your life? And I don't give that hypothetical to suggest that it's a, an easy one to wrestle with or answer for me or for any of us. But that's the very question that all Jesus' apostles would face. Right? The question of their life over against loyalty to Christ. So do you understand the gospel in such a way that whatever it is, disease or financial hardship or even death, are understood in light of the cross, of of a Savior who suffered with you and for you, Um, in light of a reward that comes after this life, after a life of of faith through suffering uh, and humility. And so Satan uses suffering to tear people away from really understanding the gospel. Well, if that doesn't work, thirdly, uh, just as often, uh, Satan uses, uh, we might say, distraction. Uh, distraction, number three on your outline. Look at verse 18. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. That can work in a a number of ways. That that can just work itself out in in busyness, right? Busyness and distraction. The kingdom of God being simply um, one thing among many priorities in your life, right? But it was never more than just another piece of your life, not necessarily related to the other pieces of your life. Um, In my life, among many other different activities and and interests and things. one big part has been soccer and I uh, used to be uh, for a long time it was a daily piece of my life and even since um, since college I've played uh, soccer once a week in a, in a men's league until uh, until COVID started. And Since then uh, I, I uh, have not uh, played and that piece, that piece may be ended uh, in my life anyways it's, it's maybe crowded out by other priorities other uh, good things um, in my life. Now sometimes people understand or associated with the gospel or the, or the body of Christ in that same way. It's a piece that can come and go, be crowded out. Um, there's some genuine interest in, in Christianity or the body of Christ, but uh, faith in him and, and identity in Christ are not an all-encompassing reality, something through which we see everything else, a, a worldview. Uh, Something you do and think about occasionally. It's it's sort of a Sunday morning social activity, or it's a a religious input in my life, among many other inputs. The Bible teaches that that everything that you do, uh, everything that you do is to be for the glory of God. Uh, there's there's nothing that you do that's not within the context of the Kingdom of God. No moment of any day, uh, no no activity or no piece of your life is outside of the context of the Kingdom of God. Uh, and his, his sovereign rule, and His saving rule, nothing's outside of the context of faith and obedience to Christ. Uh, nothing's outside of the context of, of putting off sin and growing in love and being dependent on God's grace and everything that we do and experience. Uh, another way that this um, this soil functions, uh, ironically, perhaps as a tool of Satan to keep us from understanding the gospel, is if, if suffering doesn't drive people away from really understanding, um, perhaps prosperity will. And I think perhaps that's, that's the way that this distraction functions uh, in a far greater way uh, than suffering in, in our culture, in our place. Um, I think that's really the focus of Jesus' description here in verse 19. He speaks of the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things uh, that choke out the word. He, he's simply describing someone who has greater greater loves, uh, greater desires, um, or, or someone who just thinks, you know, everything's going well for me. What What do I need that that faith stuff for. This is really the, the counterpart to um, the rocky soil and suffering that we might experience. If, if some people say, this doesn't seem worth it to me because of suffering, because the cost is too high, others say, this isn't worth it to me because there are many other shiny things I'd rather pursue. Right. It's, it's not worth my time. And that's not to say the gospel is incompatible with all kinds of different activities and great things to enjoy, responsibilities to do in life, Um, but the gospel is not compatible with with making wealth or career or pleasure or even family or other good things um, the highest goal, the highest pursuit in our life, Uh, in such a way that they crowd out uh, faith and identity in the Lord Jesus Christ which should be all-encompassing of all of these things. Paul warned in 1 Timothy chapter 6 of those who desire to be rich they fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. He goes on to say that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. And pierce themselves with many pangs. Sadly, there are some who preach the gospel uh, as if these storms were the goal of the gospel. Right? That it's it's God's desire for you now in this life, if your faith is strong enough and your donations big enough, that you would be happy and healthy and wealthy. Uh, increasingly, they include in the message these thorns that choke it out at the same at the same time. Let's look at the final soil then, which brings us to true hearing, really listening. <clears throat> Verse twenty. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, they hear the word and accept it. They hear the word and accept it. Hearing is defined further as as accepting. They they really hear it, they really receive it. it becomes part of them, changes them, uh, and produces Again, all of the other soils um, didn't really receive it in a way that would last or be transformative. Well, Jesus has been urging this, this point repeatedly to really hear. This is how he began his parable in verse 3. Listen to this. Listen to this. And that, that word doesn't mean just audibly hear. It means to, to really listen, right? To, to have it um, become part of you, to give careful attention. And then he concludes in verse 23, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And William Hendrickson comments, It's hard to find any exhortation of Jesus repeated more often than this one. To hear. If you have ears to hear, hear. Let's think about this a little bit more particularly and, and concretely under under 2 subpoints here that you see under outline. First, the, the call to hear. The call to hear is not to be perfect in your hearing, to be submissive. What, is, what does Jesus mean when he says to really hear? Well, Which of us can say that, that we don't ever act like these or, or struggle with elements of these first three kinds of soil? That, that's really what I want you to think about. Which, which of us can say that we never are, are uh, more apathetic than we should be in listening to God's word or reading God's word? Uh, not receiving it like we should. Which of us can say that we never <clears throat> act like soil number two? We go through difficult times and suffering and we're, we're turned inward in ourselves rather than turning to the Lord more and trusting Him more. We listen to ourselves rather than to the Lord when we when we suffer. Or, which of us can say that we never act like soil number three, being distracted, rather than hearing God's word intently? Carefully, or having higher priorities that that crowd out our identity with Christ, we are in one sense in this life a mixture of soils. Sort of, uh, you know, probably a lot of you are growing different things at home in in your soil, and sometimes you grow something and it it grows some, but not like it's supposed to, right? I mean, it doesn't give you any fruit. Um, didn't give you any flowers or anything like that. So, he's not here this morning. That's to say, you go to Brian in that case. He tells you what's wrong with your soil chemistry or, or to Jared. Um, Jesus was, in a sense, giving instruction on how to be the kind of soil that he, that he made you to be. Right? Um, and his, his word is not effectual only if you hear perfectly. Right, only if you give perfect attention and have perfect understanding. Right, that's certainly something we strive for. But the main thing that Jesus calls you to is submitting to His Word as the Word of God. Right, striving to give it the kind of attention that it deserves, that it demands as God's Word, um, as his, his means of salvation and meaning and hope in your life. Sitting under it, letting it, letting it challenge you and and correct you and shaping, coming back to it day after day, one of the interesting things about how Jesus describes these soils uh, here is uh, the first three soils that, that all fail, uh, he uses the, the aorist tense in the Greek which is, is like a past tense here, they, they heard it, it's something that's that's over and done with, they heard it and, and there's no continuing effect. It's over. But he describes the first soil in the present tense. These are the ones who are, it can be translated hearing and accepting. That there's an ongoing reality and effect to receiving the, God, uh, receiving the word of God. The, the Lord of Catechism gives us a great summary of how we are to hear, not, not perfectly, but how we're to sincerely listen to uh, the word of God and submit to the word of God as his word. Uh, this is question one hundred fifty seven. How is the Word of God to be read? This is a little this is a little bit longer quote than I usually use. Listen carefully to how it how it teaches us. The Holy Scriptures will be read with a high and reverent esteem of them. And secondly, with a firm persuasion that they are the very Word of God. And thirdly, with a desire to know and believe and obey the will of God revealed in them. Fourthly with diligence and attention. And finally with meditation, application, self denial, and prayer. It's a summary of how to hear the word of God. That's a that's a lot to think about, a lot to do. Um, and yet it's life and death. It's the difference between bearing fruit and bearing no fruit, is sincerely submitting to the word of God. Secondly, consider that the promise. Of really hearing, really listening to God's word here, never uh, be on your outline, is that you will bear fruit. I remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at this passage the first time and considered that, that maybe the first main point of this parable is God's miraculous crop in in the fourth uh, the fourth soil here. That there's this incredible there's all this failure in the first three soils, but there's this incredible crop in the fourth soil. And The point is that the fruit is, is God's. It's not proportional to how the farmer or where the farmer sowed the seed. There's an incredible crop in light of the fact that three-fourths of the soils failed. God will produce fruit through his word. That's perhaps the main point. So I was struck reflecting in reflecting on this parable, even though there are certainly many places in the Bible where God calls us to obedience, He calls us to bear fruit in a sense, in the context of the point of this parable, it's not calling you to bear fruit. That's, that's not uh, part of the lesson of this parable. Uh, it's not calling you to bear fruit, but to listen, to hear God's word. The emphasis here is on, on God bearing the fruit through his word. That if you really humbly and listen and receive his word, he will bear fruit through his word in you. It's very similar to gardening, to, to farming. You know, how you grow plant from a from a seed. We talked about this a little bit last time, but you have to put the right conditions, right? Right soil chemistry and uh, moisture and sun and so on, but then you don't have anything directly to do at all with the growth of the seed, right, with the cells multiplying or um, stem cells becoming stems and leaves and flowers and uh, photosynthesis and transpiration as it drinks in water. You, you don't have anything directly to do with that process, which is sort of how this parable is pointing us to. You you. you you are called to provide the conditions to receive the word of God, to strive to be that poor soil, but God will bear fruit if you really receive his word, if you do that kind of humble, eager, ongoing listening. What, what is that fruit? It, it may not be anything huge or worldly impressive um, or remarkable, some great accomplishment or anything, but it will be a measurably valuable fruit that God promises in his word. Uh, you're growing in love, peace, and patience, and kindness, self-control, in many ways the Bible describes this. For, in verse 24, Jesus says, take care of what you listen to, but the NIV has there, carefully consider what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear. In other words, pay attention, think about it uh, deeply, carefully. If you want to become like Jesus, if you want to be used in his kingdom, you want this, this fruit that's promised, if you believe that God's word works this powerfully through you, how are you hearing his word? How are you listening to his word? There, there are many, many good things in life that we give attention to, that we need to give attention to and time to, um, parenting and marriage and yard work and uh, making and eating food and friendships and your your job and school and playing and all kind of we could go on and on uh, with good things that we have to give attention to in time. that you need to make time to hear God's word as well. You need to hear his promises, his reminders of who you are, who He is, uh, His glory, his instructions for you. So are, are you reading his word? Are you reading your Bibles? Uh, not just uh, not just opening your Bibles, right? You can read one verse or ten chapters and not really hear uh, what you're reading. Are uh, you maybe taking advantage of studying with a group or with a partner? Uh, There's huge value in, in reflecting on and receiving God's Word together uh, as you study with others. <clears throat> How are you listening when when the Word of God is preached uh, on Lord's Day morning? Um, it's it's easy. I know from my own experience, my own uh, heart um, to sit and hear, but not really hear, right? sometimes it's it's fighting through a tired brain or um, setting it trying to set aside a you know checklist that you have at work or struggles you're going through at home or the fishing I'd rather be' doing or even thinking about what's for lunch, right? But Jesus promises invaluable gospel fruit to those who push through the the apathy of soil number one, right? They're here and really listening. Those who, unlike soil number two, receive the promises in the person of Jesus with such conviction and faith and, and trust that you're willing to suffer for his sake. Uh, He promises to those who, unlike sorrow number three, receive and value and and love Jesus and and his kingdom um, in such a way that it rises above and encompasses all other things uh, in our lives. So hear the word of God, really listen, uh, and you will bear fruit in your life. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again this morning for your word and for the The way that it powerfully works in us, Uh, not always um, quickly or spectacularly, uh, but but over time it works powerfully and surely. We pray that you would help us to know that, to trust that, and to strive to listen all the more carefully, to really receive and be changed by your word uh, week by week. Uh, We pray this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.